Hi, this is Michael Edelstein's podcast. I'm his partner, Mick Berry. I've been a practitioner of rational motive behavior therapy for well over 30 years. Rational motive behavior therapy was founded by Albert Ellis, who is the grandfather of cognitive therapy. It cites that our emotions don't just happen, but they are connected to how we think, that our thinking and our emotions are intimately connected, and that it is possible to change our self-defeating thoughts and feelings into self-helping thoughts and feelings. I used to have a very debilitating problem with depression. It was all-consuming, and it was quite severe. And through rational motive behavior therapy, I was able to cure my problem with depression. And it also addresses anxiety and rage and every other sort of mental disturbance that we as fallible human beings work ourselves into. What else would you like to say about it, Michael? Uh, thanks, Mick. Uh, I'd like to also say a little, give a little details of our REBT, Rational Motive Behavior Therapy. And REBT says that it's never situations themselves, no matter how bad that creates your emotions, but rather it's your thinking about those situations. That's the issue. So if you're feeling depressed or suicidal, look at your thinking, identify the musts and shoulds, the demands that cause your uh, suicidal feelings. And there are three main musts. The first is a demand on oneself. I must do well and get approval or else I'm a loser. You must treat me well. Otherwise, you're no good. And my life <coughs> must be fair, easy, and hassle-free. Or, other, or otherwise, my life is horrible. When someone uh, has suicidal thoughts, uh, usually it starts with depression, and depression or suicidal thoughts usually comes from the first must or the third must. The first must, again, um, I must do well and get approval, and because I'm failing or people dislike me, this makes me a loser. I'm lower than a worm, a scourge on the face of the earth. I deserve to die, so I will do it for uh, for the earth and, and save them my wormhood. And normally it's the third must as well as the first, one of those two or both. My life should be fair, easy, and hassle-free. And because it's not, my life is horrible. I can't stand the hassles, the discomfort, the frustration. I have to escape. So the best and most immediate way to do that is to commit suicide. So those are normally the two main musts that lead to suicidal thoughts and sometimes ultimately suicide. Nick, did you want to add to that uh, diagnosis? No, I think that pretty much covers it. I was just wondering if demands on somebody else could lead to suicide. Uh, you must love me. But I don't think that I think that really falls under the third because you don't love me. Life is terrible and unbearable and I have to kill myself. Yes, yes, uh, I would agree with that.
So that so that's the diagnosis. What's causing suicidal thoughts? So what is the solution? Well, the solution, as usual, as REBT always points to, the solution is questioning, challenging, and contradicting your demands, contradicting those musts, and looking for the evidence for them. And if you look for evidence for demands, musts, and shoulds, things absolutely should go a certain way. You'll never find evidence that things have to be a certain way. You don't rule the universe. You don't control everything. So therefore, things will go the way they go, sometimes favorably, sometimes unfavorably. And although you don't like it, obviously you can stand what you don't like. You're standing it, but you're just standing it poorly. And to some extent, it's a vicious circle. You're standing it poorly because you say, I can't stand it. And that makes you feel rotten. And then you say, see, that proves I can't stand it because I feel rotten. But it just means you're standing it poorly with that irrational thinking. So again, question, challenge, and contradict, and show yourself again and again and again and again with many more agains that that thinking is false. You prefer life go well, but it doesn't have to. And it is uh, very unpleasant, frustrating, that your life is going poorly, but hardly the end of the universe. So work on that. Also, I'd like to mention that if you want to see more examples of how to do this, you could get my book on Amazon, Three Minute Therapy, and that has many uh, anecdotes, elaborations about how you can work on this. Mick? Yeah, I wanted to throw in the secondary disturbances, often a big factor among people that feel suicidal, and that's getting depressed over being depressed. And I've seen people feel this way and express themselves in this way quite often, one of whom was Virginia Woolf, who is, of course, the famous author that committed suicide, and in her suicide note to her husband, she pretty much spells out what her problem was. It was the fear of getting depressed because she had a problem with depression. And she said in her suicide note, it's coming on again. I can feel it and I cannot bear it one more time. And therefore she, and she was referring to being depressed and therefore she decided to kill herself. So depression about depression is one of the severest forms of depression. And often people feel that there is absolutely no hope whatsoever. It isn't just the circumstances of their life. It is their emotional state, which is unbearable that they cannot stand and therefore they attempt to eliminate it by killing themselves. But of course, this eliminates any chance for happiness as far as we can tell also. So secondary disturbance can be a very big factor in people committing suicide. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's very important. And we do have a uh, YouTube uh, discussion about secondary disturbance, so look for that. And in my book, Three Minute Therapy, I have an entire chapter on secondary disturbance. So uh, often people miss that, and often therapists miss the secondary disturbance. <coughs> being upset about being upset. Right. Um, so, you know, with 
I've, uh, it's interesting. I did a little bit of volunteer work with a group that calls themselves the Bridgewalk Angels, and they will go on the Golden Gate Bridge on particularly high days of suicide attempts, which are holidays, uh, Valentine's Day, Christmas Day, Thanksgiving, things like Easter, things like that. Those tend to be the big uh, days for it. And loneliness is one of the uh, big factors they found. But it was interesting when they told us, if you, we're just supposed to walk along and if you see somebody by themselves, just say hi, ask them how they are. But if it seems like somebody could be contemplating something, don't ask them if you, if, uh, if they're contemplating suicide or whatever, just strike up a conversation with them. And then you can alert us, we had cell phones, and somebody can come and see if they were actually serious about doing it, because they said that of the people that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, the thing that was the final factor in them deciding to jump, the ones who survived the fall, said nobody even talked to them. If somebody had simply had a conversation with them, they would have decided not to do it. And I'm wondering how this could fit in with REBT, Michael. Uh, well, I guess if someone is dwelling on, uh, my life is awful, it's horrible, then talking to someone is a distraction from that. And uh, it might be a pleasant experience. This conversation might be a pleasant experience for them and it might pull them out of it. By the way, um, you had mentioned Virginia Woolf and saying it's coming on again. Well, part of the problem there is it's not coming on again. The depression isn't coming on again. Maybe bad physical feelings are coming on, but then uh, she makes it worse by saying, I can't stand what's coming on. It shouldn't come on. My life should be better. And... Uh, so what she was telling herself was probably the thing that led to the suicide. Yes, Mick? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Thanks. Because after us, I mean, even Churchill referred to it as the black dog has got me again. Completely getting rid of any responsibility he had in creating the depression, because we do create the depression. But I had another thought after I asked you the question about uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, I think that a big factor could have likely, I think likely could have been, when somebody talked to them, they probably had the, ex had, or when somebody didn't talk to them, they had the experience, see, nobody cares, life is really terrible. But if somebody talks to you, I think you could easily then have the realization, well, there are some good things in life, so everything in life isn't terrible. I mean, no. You know, we make these sweeping conclusions because life is quite difficult. It is awful. That is erroneous. It's simply quite difficult at times. But saying it's awful means it's, it's devoid of any pleasure and any possibility of pleasure. And I have a funny story about that, but I don't know if we have time for me to tell it. Yeah, it's a couple, just a minute. <clears throat> My therapist, when I started REBT, was Emmett Belton. And he gave me an exercise when I was depressed to pick an activity, go perform it, or pick an activity, predict how much I'd enjoy it, go perform it, and then record how much I enjoyed it on a scale of one to, pen, one to 10. And so I predicted about a four or five, and I had a 10. 
And I came back and I said, it worked. I can see that getting out and doing something could be more enjoyable than I anticipated. He said, right. I said, what do you do if somebody makes a prediction and it's less than what they predicted? And he said, oh, that's easy. They always come back to me and say, I predicted a three and I enjoyed it a zero. See, I can't enjoy myself. And he said, I then tell them that, tell them, oh, are you happy to tell me that? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, one of the things, uh, homework assignments I give to some clients when they say they can't enjoy anything is to list even the smallest enjoyments uh, that they have during the day. And they usually come up with some things like eating a meal or getting into bed at night uh, or um, talking to a friend, as you illustrated there, Mick. So it's easy to discount any enjoyments when you uh, have shoulds and musts, and that is my life must be enjoyable. The must leads you to look for the absence of the enjoyment and to focus on that. So uh, that's an important thing to do. Yes, Mick? And I just wanted to say along those lines, I think I tell myself, well, I don't have to enjoy myself. So I go throughout the day, and I know I enjoy myself doing various things, but I don't worry if I enjoy myself or not. So it's not even a factor in my day. I know the day will be okay one way or another, but I don't have to enjoy myself all the time. And there are times in the day when I'm doing things I'm not particularly enjoying myself and I don't worry about it. That's something I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Another technique is uh, just moving your body, getting out for a walk, a run, a swim, a bike ride. Often when you get moving, then uh, that, that helps also. Yep. And having a laugh is always helpful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, very good. So uh, thanks very much, Mick, for participating in this uh, informative uh, discussion. And thank you, Chris Rossini, our tech engineer, uh, who's in the wings making sure this happens. And uh, if you have any comments, uh, list them below and uh, give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed it. Suggest any guests or subjects you would I like. I have one to final discuss. thought, Michael. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, the, the idea of suicide is unless somebody has no means to live and is in utter physical pain, it almost never makes any sense. So if anybody watching this is having that thought, I, I've had suicidal thoughts, but I can guarantee if it almost makes never any sense to do it, and there is hope to live virtually without any emotional, debilitating emotional problems. So I just wanted to offer that hopeful statement. Okay, great. And as far as I know, Neither Mick, Chris, or I are contemplating suicide, so we plan to be here next week, same time, same station. And uh, subscribe to the 3-Minute Therapy Podcast to stay on the rational side of life.